As you can probably guess, um, I'm super excited uh, to share with you this morning about um, the Holy Spirit in creation and about creation care. So this is um, one of my big passions and um, I'm very happy to share with you this morning from God's Word. This morning I would like to bring theology down to earth. We will attempt to get a fresh glimpse of the movement of the Spirit of God from creation's dawn in Genesis 1, as we just read. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters throughout history. As we read in Psalms 104, when you send your Spirit, they are created. Through Romans 8, the Spirit groans within us and all the way to the consumption of Christ's reign when all creation will be restored and all things will be made new. We will search in the living God-breathed word this morning of how the Holy Spirit is instrumental in creation and how we the spirit-breathed creatures made in the image of God are invited to participate and share in creation, to co-create from garden to garden to garden. Our journey this morning will take us from the light and wonder of God's marvelous creation to deep groanings of wounded and marred nature, to God's incarnation in Christ who took on human body to reconcile all things to God, all the way to the hallelujah chorus when all things will be made new. This is not a motivational speech to a few green liberals and hippies who plant zucchini in the inner city. And it's not an idealistic longing for better days gone by. This is about how all of us, as people made in the image of God, invited by the Spirit to get down to earth, or homus, the Latin word for earth, which interestingly we get the word humility from, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit to tend the garden we have been given? Obviously, uh, this is just scratching on the surface of a deep ocean, but it's my prayer that you will receive a fresh breath of air from the Spirit this morning in your journey with Jesus. I developed an early love for God's magnificent creation and wonder at the diversity and the beauty and strength of nature. From the majestic Alps to medicinal herb-covered meadows and forests, I've always felt deeply connected to God in nature. My grandfather was a small farmer in Switzerland. I have wonderful memories of helping my dad and granddad to bale hay on a hot summer day. The six uh, of us children were allowed to ride back to the farm on top of huge stacks of hay 
pulled by Fanny, our farm horse. And I can still smell the sweet hay and hear the giggles as we would peek into bathroom windows from our high perch on the hay as Fanny trotted through the village home. As a teenager, I would roam the forest with my German shepherd dog, Caro, collecting wild plants and berries. As a young teacher, I took creative license and would pack up my whole class, take them to my mother's house, and te teach them to make dandelion syrup. In fact, my mom just ran into one of my former students, and this student still remembers, 40 years later, those wild days uh, with fondness. Living in Morocco transported me into a whole new universe of exotic smells, fragrances, textures and tastes. And daily shopping in the open market was paradise for a nature lover, touching and tasting mountains of fruit and veggies with the fresh soil still clinging to it. I learned to select uh, wheat kernels of grain in, in the grain market, wash and dry them in the sun uh, on our flat roof and take it to the public mill uh, on the back of a donkey uh, where it was ground into flour. And then we would make um, fresh, beautiful, delicious uh, Moroccan flatbread out of it. I felt deeply connected to God in nature and in the garden. And I have the suspicion that many of you here too find joy and childlike wonder in God's creation. Uh, it reminds me of a little boy um, this tall uh, in Spain that met my six-foot-six-tall husband for the first time. And he was standing just inches away from him, and he started at the bottom, at, the shoe, at David's shoes, and just looked up and went, Whoa! What God created inspires awe. So what is the Spirit's connection to creation? Surely he did not just appear at Pentecost, but he's been active throughout history. Who is he? How does he work? How do I walk in the Spirit? What does scripture teach us about the third person of the Trinity? I have an interesting story, my own personal story with the Holy Spirit. When I came to faith in Christ in my early 20s, I only knew that I needed to be saved. And I gave my life in repentance and joy uh, to Christ. But I had no clue who the Holy Spirit was. I was invited later to a Christian retreat and there was quite a lot of pressure exerted uh, to receive the Holy Spirit, which, according to them, manifested in speaking in tongues. Well, by the end of the week, I spoke in tongues. But I still remember telling a friend a few weeks later, you know, speaking in tongues did not fundamentally change my walk with Christ. I was longing for Christ, not some choreographed experience. I still had to discipline myself to spend time with God and in his word. I sensed early on that the deep work of the spirit is not sensational, but is slow, gradual, and incremental. 
And very important to remember is that Paul makes it very clear in 1 Corinthians 13 that any of the Spirit's gifts need to be anchored in love. Since then, I've been in churches where I felt that external and emotional manifestations of the Spirit equaled greater spirituality. And other churches where the Holy Spirit is hardly mentioned. I knew there was something wrong with both pictures. And I suspect that some of you here also have your own stories of maybe confusion, questions, and maybe even hurt around this topic. I long to be more attentive, more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. I know that there's so much more God wants to give us. And I know that the gift is given, but it requires intentionality and receptiveness on our part. I remember going back to school in my old age. Prior to my nutrition studies, I had no clue what a Krebs cycle or a leaky gut was. But suddenly, a whole new world of enzymes and neurotransmitters and chemical reactions opened up to me that I didn't even know existed. I think of uh, bird walks with Andy and Marlene, where I saw maybe sparrows and ducks on a good day, and this world was much larger. He could identify dozens of different birds that I was completely oblivious to. Why? Because Andy was, has spent countless hours being attentive to nature, to the different sounds of birds. I think it's like that with our walk with God. The more attentive we are, the more we will discover. I've always loved this quote by C.S. Lewis. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I want to know God more. My longing is not for some emotional experience, but for the presence of God, for wholeness, which I suspect more often than not comes through discomfort and pain. There is no shortcut. Holy Spirit, come and burn our sin-sick souls and make us whole. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So let me share from scripture four important principles I have discovered. And I wanna say with deepest gratitude to many good authors and theologians, garden friends and other cool people, and most of all, the Holy Spirit within me, who is the very best teacher of all. 
first, getting an understanding of the Trinity is essential if we talk about the Holy Spirit. There is a dynamic movement of Father, Son, and Spirit in perfect harmony. Or as our friend and author, Jürgen Schulz, maybe some of you know him, would call it a beautiful dance. One God revealed as three persons. They are one, but distinct. And no member of the Trinity acts independently. And as you know, scripture uses several metaphors for the spirit. Can you throw out some? What metaphors does scripture use to talk about the spirit? Yeah? Yes. Breath. Wind. Advocate, counselor, think of Pentecost, fire, oil, many different metaphors. But even though we are inclined to depersonalize the spirit, he's not just a mere force or power, but a person. And within the oneness of the deity, there is a plurality of persons. And what I find is so beautiful and that I discovered later, I, I didn't understand that, that God exists in relationship from the beginning, in the intimate interrelatedness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a holy dance, three in one, and a very important principle. Relationship is at the heart of the universe. To fully appreciate the work of the Spirit in redemption, we need to understand the Spirit as the Creator Spirit, who was an active player at the dawn of creation and throughout history. The church throughout history has been tempted to discount the physical. But the Spirit who ho hovered over the waters at creation now groans with all creation in anticipation of the redemption of all things. I love this quote by uh, Clark Pinnock. We have read the Bible for its spiritual truth and neglected the material dimensions of its message. We have not emphasized that the spirit who gives us life in Christ Jesus first gave life to our mortal bodies. Neglect of the cosmic dimension does harm. It minimizes the divine indwelling of the whole world. It reduces salvation to half size by attending to disembodied souls. It fosters forgetfulness about God's concern for ecology, etc. Neglect of the cosmic functions of the spirit has consequences. The spirit is present at creation. Gordon Smith puts it so well. He said, physicality is very good. True spirituality is deeply physical and embodied. The spirit was present at, at creation, at the incarnation of Christ, at Pentecost, forming the church, transforming us into the image of Christ and in the consummation of all things.
The second principle, the inbreathing of the Spirit of God brings life. Material things are only animated by the life-giving presence of the Spirit. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The breath of God brings materiality to life. Psalm 33, 6 tells us, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 104, which is like an ode to creation, says, When you send your spirit, they are created. Sheer delight in all that God has made. And as a side note, this principle also applies to scripture, which Susan Reddy will expand for us next week. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed. Ink and paper come to life when God breathes on it. And our own words can be life-giving, spirit-filled, or life-draining and spirit-void. I have witnessed in wonder, and I know you, um, many of you have too, when a newborn baby took his first breath outside the womb. But also, when sitting at the bedside of my dying mother-in-law, hearing her take her last breath, life and death. I have an interesting picture on the next slide. This is in my hometown in Switzerland, uh, the original old village of, uh, it's 500 years old, I think, um, also called Stadtli, uh, with its castle above and white swans in the lake below. Uh, on my last visit there, my father pointed out a strange hole uh, in, in this house. He said it's called a Seelenloch in German, soul hole. And it was added to homes for the spirit of the deceased to be able to escape. I found that very interesting, this understanding of breath in, breath out, life and death. And I've always been fascinated by the passage in Ezekiel 37 about the valley of dry bones. Verse 5 reads, This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. God's breath brings life to our dry bones. Do you ever feel dried out, thirsty? We can only live the Christian life through the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit. Paul in Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit. Live in the power of the Spirit. Dry bones will come to life. Thirdly, the Spirit is not only concerned about our personal well-being, 
but is eagerly longing for the renewal of all creation. As we, of course, are acutely aware, God's creation has been deeply distorted, fragmented, and broken by sin. Romans 8 tells us creation groans as in the pains of childbirth, and the spirit groans within us. Our prayers are often our deep, deep longing for the fulfillment of God's purposes in our world, in our own lives, and the lives of our loved ones. Our greatest need is not the healing of the body, but to be united with Christ in his death and resurrection, in the new life, the eternal life. And fourthly, creation care is at the heart of what it means to walk in the Spirit. I believe that Christ followers should be advocates for environmental justice. I believe that gardening creation care is a spiritual practice. Our small gardens are a microcosm of the garden that is creation. Those who walk in the spirit will tend to the garden, to the environment. We are God's people, the stewards of the earth. The gospel calls us to live in a new and transformed life in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because ultimately, it's about restoration and renewal of all things. One of the most extraordinary images that has come out of Ukraine was a picture of a woman planting seeds in the ground as there were bombs and bombs going off uh, in the background and sirens wailing. I was so touched by that picture. Defiantly, she sowed seeds in the ground, surrounded by war. I'm deeply inspired by stories of spirit-filled creation care people. Many of you might have heard of Dr. Alfred Vogel, who was a Swiss herbalist, a naturopath, and a researcher, who, like few others, understood how nature works and heals. He became captivated by the infinite variety of plants and their medicinal properties. His great love and respect for nature shines through his incredible work. And to this day, uh, products gracing his name are sold in stores internationally, even here uh, in Vancouver. For him, plants had an important function for people's healing, because as he said, and I quote, they possess the God-given breath of life. Hildegard von Bingen, maybe some have heard of her, lived in the 12th century in Germany. She was a theologian, but also a scientist, a medical practitioner, a musician, and poet during the Middle Ages. I don't know why some people get it all. 
Her work as a theologian was infused by her prayers and her love for science and art and shows her delight in all that God has made. Her rich appreciation of the spirit in creation comes through in her beautiful poem, O Fire of God, which uh, I would encourage you to look up. And I know that to this day, uh, hotels and stores in Switzerland offer Hildegard von Bingen products and menus. A third beautiful example I heard of are Christians in Ethiopia who decided that church planting and tree planting must go hand in hand. Tree planting is a powerful example of restoring the garden. Ethiopia set a goal to plant four million trees, inspired by the spirit and aligned with the spirit's work of renewing and restoring creation. I believe we desperately need prophetic voices to take us back to our roots. We don't all have to move to a homestead, but let God's spirit guide us into creative, daring, subversive, sacrificial, old and new ways of tending the garden in our generation. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, says Paul in Romans 8. Is there one small change in the right direction we could make today? Can we steward the riches given to us better? Can we attend to the natural rhythms of growing and slowing, of composting, of dying and giving new birth in step with the Spirit of God? Can we appreciate and rejoice in all God has created for the healing of the nations? When God created, he said, it is very good, very good. Tending the garden not only connects us to our creator, but also to our neighbors made in God's image. We can share and learn from each other. We can cross ethnic and cultural barriers. We had the joy uh, at Parkdale, where I work, um, to welcome Alexander and Ludmila Petrenko from Ukraine um, to, to Parkdale. They fled Odessa at the beginning of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. With not one word of English on their side and very poorly pronounced Dobri Ranok on my side, we were able to connect over their newly acquired garden plot in the Parkdale's community garden with our hands in the soil and lots of laughter. Oregano, good, good. Weed, niet, niet. I love this quote from Gordon Smith. The deep and transformative work of the spirit is found in the habituated and ordinary practices of the Christian life, like gardening. I am constantly inspired and learning from many of you sitting here and online.
who bike, who garden, who engineer sustainable energy, who work in conservation, who teach kids about nature, who create beauty through art and science, who transform manicured and dandelion-free lawns into life-giving food baskets, who dive into dumpsters, I'm looking at you, Brian, and Michaela, to recover perfectly good produce, who reduce and reuse and recycle, who consume less and share more. I believe it is together as the body of Christ, empowered and infused by God's spirit, we participate in creation and steward God's creation in small, humble, ordinary ways. And it means slowing down. It means kneeling down. And yes, getting our hands dirty. So to recap, first, we need to understand the spirit as creator spirit in joyful union with the Father and the Son, the holy dance. Second, the inbreathing of the spirit of God brings life. Thirdly, salvation is about the renewal of all creation. And fourthly, creation care is at the heart of walking in the spirit. Maybe we are not all called to garden, but as followers of Christ and walkers in the spirit, we are all called to creation care. I have loved noticing uh, as I walk through our new neighborhood uh, in East Van, how many manicured lawns have been turned into vegetable gardens. Our new neighbors have transformed their backyard into a life-giving, fruit-bearing, food-giving garden. This lovely elderly couple tends to their beautiful garden daily. It seems to me with great joy and with very creative focus. We have failed miserably in this respect with our lust for convenience and comfort and have marred and wounded God's beautiful creation. As an example, some estimate, estimate that in a few decades there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish. As people who love the creator, this is a call to action. God speaks to us through his creation. Are we listening? We hear creation groaning under its heavy load, marred by selfishness, greed, and exploitation, and sin. The spirit still wants to breathe life, heal, and restore, creating life out of death, beauty out of ashes, joy out of mourning. At the cross, Jesus laid down his own life, his body, to give us life. Behold, I make all things new. Do you remember, um, this is a quote by Wendell Berry, who maybe some of you know. He said, the real work of planet saving will be small, humble, and humbling. Remember the old song, it only takes a spark to get a fire going? 
Maybe you're all too young for it. It only takes a seed to get a garden going. So it's my pleasure today to gift you, each one of you, with a sunflower seed embedded in rich soil. And I'd like you to take it home and plant it in a pot or in the garden in a piece of soil and watch with wonder as out of the dead seed, life springs. Let's have sunflowers popping up all over our neighborhoods as a symbol of hope. And as Barry uh, says on the plaque outside in his garden, to plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow. God saw that all he had made and it was very good. I pray for those among us this morning who are in deep grief. Holy Spirit, breathe hope and comfort into them this morning. For those in pain, breathe healing and strength into them. For those in confusion or hopelessness, breathe new life and truth into them. For our war and violence ravaged planet, breathe healing and restoration into it. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us, melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen.